Society, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Welcome to the show. It's the Pete Callender Show. I'm Pete. You can email me, Pete, at the Pete Callender Show. You can also hit me up on Twitter, at Pete Callender, which I don't know if this has anything to do with the whole Elon Musk thing or, or Twitter employees changing algorithms or something uh, before he takes over, but I've noticed a lot of new followers over the last, like, 72 hours. A lot of them, which... I mean, that's great, but and welcome, uh, but I do wonder if it's connected. The phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Did you hear the debate last night between the candidates for Mecklenburg County Sheriff? Uh, I watched it on the Facebook, and I listened on the WBT live stream, because, of course, the live stream had much better audio. It's almost as if we're professionals in the audio realm. It did remind me, though, of uh, what was the, the story about Kennedy versus Nixon. People who watched the debate between the two candidates, uh, they thought Kennedy won because Nixon was battling the flu and he wasn't wearing makeup and he just looked you know, pale and clammy and all this uh, sweaty. And Kennedy was this you know, young, attractive makeup wearing for television purposes guy. And uh, so people who watched the video thought that Kennedy won and people who just listened on the radio thought Nixon won because he was in better command of, uh, you know, the facts or, uh, you know, issues or whatever. There was a a clear break in uh, who people preferred based on what uh, media they consumed. I thought the same thing last night in watching the, uh, the the debate versus just listening when I went back to cut up all this audio. And there's a lot of it. But I watched it. I listened to it. And then I listened to it again because I'm a giver. I did it so you don't have to. We're going to go over it uh, today on the program, the high points I did not pull. I'll tell you what all the questions were. It was moderated by WBT's Brett Jensen. Um, and I, I thought it was managed very well. Uh, the can, uh, each of the candidates, I think, you know, they, they respected the time and they didn't go over the, uh, Mark Garrison, bit of a timekeeping Nazi back then. No, I'm kidding. I'm, but he was like, he would sound the, the bell and the candidates would, uh, would stop talking. So it was well managed. I thought the questions were good and the body language, which again, you're not going to get from. The radio version only. You're not going to see the body language, but you do get a hint of it. You can kind of hear it in the sheriff's comments, but the body language. He's got this way of this is the incumbent sheriff, Gary McFadden. He's got this way of uh, conveying supreme arrogance even if it's not his intention, I don't know if it's intent, if that's his intent, but he conveys it. He sits there, he does the, the chin out, head tilted back thing with a little bit of a frown or grimace. He does the, uh, the raised eyebrows with that look and the slow, wide-eyed blinking kind of effect. And it just, it conveys... This arrogance, a couple points, at a couple points, he turns his back to the other candidates. They're all sitting at tables that are next to each other. And um, he'll turn and kind of 
cross his legs off to the side and he'll turn his back towards the other two candidates in order to uh, to cross his legs like that. Now, and look, I get it. It's a um, you know, it's an hour and a half debate, commercial free. And so you're just going straight through. And so, yeah, you're going to shift around in your chair somewhat. I get that. But the optics of that don't look good. Um, during the closing arguments or closing uh, arguments, they, they weren't lawyers, but in the um, uh, closing remarks, McFadden starts packing up his briefcase as the other two are delivering their final remarks, as if, you know, he is just so done with this. He's got better things to do than to sit around and listen to these people uh, talk about how you know poor of a job he's been doing. So let's get to it. He starts off the uh, debate. He was he's the one who gets to start with his opening remarks. And in this opening statement, I think you can hear it. He sets the tone for how he would engage for the rest of the night. Take a listen. This is my 40th year as a law enforcement officer. But it gives me uh, a little unpleased that we are here in a place that I had a badge for now 40 years. And it's very uncomfortable to come in a very uh, hostile situation here, not being greeted at the door as a law enforcement officer, not being uh, welcome. That is uh, somewhat humbling. But I'm here still as your sheriff because I'm the only candidate that has ever sat in the seat of a sheriff. I'm the only candidate that has stood in the seat of the sheriff through two crises. All right, hang on a second. You're standing in the seats of the sheriff? You're standing in the seat? Of the, all right. I know it's just, this is a small thing, but but I think it's kind of important. He seems he seems off his game somewhat. He's he's stringing together. He said it put him unease. It put him into unease. No, he said I felt uneased or something like that. The, this is not an effective communication strategy. Let me just say it that way. All right, that's not an effective communication strategy when trying to win people over, first of all. Second of all, uh, this was at the Fraternal Order of Police. They hosted this debate, the local chapter. And afterwards, you heard uh, the discussion on WBT where the FOP representative said that was, he called that a bald-faced lie. He said that the uh, chapter leader did welcome him, shook his hand, said hello. So maybe there were some other people in the audience that don't like him because you know, they quit or he fired them. So maybe there are people in that audience that don't appreciate him and don't appreciate his tenure in service uh, as sheriff. But he ought, just right out of the gate, he, he automatically ascribes this hostile environment to everybody that's in the room. Why would you do that right out of the gate? Why would you say that? Why would you not try to win people over because he doesn't acknowledge a hostile environment as if, you know, gosh, I don't know what's going on here, like self-deprecation or, you know, try to break the ice, try to warm people up. No, he just comes right at you and is like, you guys suck. That's essentially what he said to them. I'm not sure if that's the best way to start a debate, but, you know, to each his own. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. That's Johnny Cash. All right, so the Mecklenburg County Sheriff's candidates, all three are Democrats. There's no Republican primary, and I don't think there's any Republican candidates. So it's going to be a Democrat. So keep this in mind. 
If you're thinking about wanting to vote in the Democratic primary or you want to vote for sheriff, you want to try to influence who uh, gets this position, you got to vote in the Democratic primary. So Gary McFadden is the incumbent and he walks in and he makes his opening statement. He says he wasn't treated with respect, essentially, that this is a hostile environment. This is hosted by the Fraternal Order of Police, by the way. The FOP chapter is hosting this debate. Uh, And uh, then he says that uh, his qualifications are so much better than the others because, you know, he's the only one who's been sheriff. But then later he denigrates the prior sheriff for losing, which is interesting. So you're going to cite being sheriff as a qualification, but then a sheriff who lost You denigrate him for losing, but he would be just as qualified as you, right? Um, But also, a lot of this focused on, a lot of the debate focused on morale among the staff at the jail and in the sheriff's office in general, which both of the people running against him have experience in. Marquise Robinson, 25-year career deputy, recently retired, worked for McFadden, And then you got Gina Hicks, who ran the jail. That's been the source of so many of these problems. But you're going to hear as McFadden continues, he's demanding that people follow his vision. His vision as a progressive sheriff. And it doesn't seem like he is equipped to get people to go along with this vision. He just says, this is my way and everybody needs to fall in line because I'm the sheriff. And this comes through with these comments that, you know, I'm the only one who's been sheriff. So therefore, I'm the only one who could do this job. And that's just not true because, frankly, you had no experience before you were sheriff either. Right. He was a homicide detective. All right. So here's a bit more from his opening comments across America, one civil and one is COVID-19. Sorry, he's talking about here, I just picked it up where I uh, stopped it earlier. He's talking about how he's battle-tested because he's been sheriff during COVID and during the riots. So that makes him more qualified than the other two candidates. And to some degree, he is correct. There is an element of truth to that, that they don't have that experience being in charge, being a sheriff during these two events. But they both have worked in sheriff's offices during these events. Both were deadly and both was contagious. I'm the only candidate here that has been seen by the president of the United States have been invited because of my community initiatives. I'm the only candidate here that has true law enforcement experience. When I say true law enforcement experience, there's another chapter that we definitely have to talk about is chapter 14, which is the criminal justice system. So I'm the only candidate that deals with the true law and not just one law. What? So he's saying because he was a CMPD homicide detective that somehow or another that makes him better qualified to manage the jail operations? That doesn't follow. In fact, the woman running, Gina Hicks, she actually did manage the jail operations. I think that would be a pretty good qualification. Well, I I struggle to talk about my many accomplishments because they're mine. I do understand the needs for constituents to want to know who it is that they may have leading them and all of their qualifications to lead. I have all of those qualifications. I'm running for sheriff not because not only am I the most qualified, but simply because I care. 
I've been in the trenches right at the Mecklenburg County Sheriff's Office. I didn't come from someplace else and try to run it. I ran it. She ran it. And she knows that how it's being run right now is not ideal. Next up is Marquise Robinson, retired 25-year deputy, currently a pastor. I sat in courtroom 4110 too many times watching the victims of domestic violence cursing me out because the sheriff's office failed to run to serve the papers. Too often, too often, we have to work as deputies, but not knowing that our leadership have, has our back. I know that it's hard. It's hard because it's hard calling on the radio that it's a bomb threat and you're being told to save it for CMPD. It's hard knowing that citizen lives may be a danger, but my hands are tied. I got shackles on my feet and not being allowed to work. And I'm running for sheriff because your deputies and your officers, they want to do more. They want to do more, but they need for the shackles and the handcuffs to come off their feet. Charlotte is number one in sex trafficking, and this agency have done nothing about it. For decades, this agency always sat in the back seat of law enforcement while looking at other agencies to do the work with taxpayers' money. We all getting paid by taxpayers' money. We all must go to work for the taxpayers. All right, one point here. The reason why uh, CMPD responds to the calls that they do and, and there's this division of duties between the different law enforcement agencies is because of the consolidation effort, the operational consolidation effort that occurred decades ago where these duties were divided on purpose. That's why they did it. So the CMPD would take care. They incorporated right, the Mecklenburg County Police. They merged together, and then they're the police force, and then you've got the deputies who, you know, provide courthouse security, serve the warrants, that sort of stuff. So this that was intentional. But keep in mind, one of these three people will be the next sheriff of Mecklenburg County. Who do you want that person to be? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Listening to the sheriff's debate from last night, Mecklenburg County incumbent sheriff Gary McFadden, self-described progressive sheriff, constantly points out that he is, in fact, black. Um, And uh, so is, too, uh, Gina Hicks, one of the challengers, as is Marquise Robinson, the other challenger. So I know it's, it's tough. It's tough on an incumbent Democrat, black man, black sheriff, trying to run with, while playing the race card when all you've got opposing you are other black people. I know that's so difficult. Imagine how much easier his reelection campaign would have been had uh, had his challengers not been of the same race as he. He was or all three were then asked by the moderator. Brett Jensen asked, would you bring back the 287 G program and cooperate with ICE. Um, keep in mind, I'm not going to play any of this audio because they all agree, no, they're not going to bring back 287G. And keep in mind, they are they are all Democrats. So they're of course they're not going to bring back 287G. The days of a Democrat backing 287G like 
Jim Pendergraft, the sheriff that implemented it here in Mecklenburg County, Democrat, his chief deputy, who then became sheriff when Pendergraft took a job uh, with the Bush administration, Homeland Security, traveling all over America, helping other sheriffs set up their 287G programs. He was succeeded by Chip Bailey, who also kept 287G in place. So, no, you're not going to get any new Democrats coming in wanting to put that program back in place. Uh, 287G allowed the local sheriff's deputies to become essentially uh, surrogate Homeland Security uh, workers. So they they got access. They got trained up and they got access to uh, database and information collection so they could find out and identify who the hell is in the jail. And that is, uh, that's racist now. So we can't do that because no human is illegal. And so we don't get to do that anymore. No more 287G. Now, uh, Hicks said that, um, she said there needs to be some collaboration with ICE, but she said, quote, I do not support ICE generally. Uh, Marquise Robinson, uh, he said, I believe you need a warrant for arresting people. And this is, uh, he's, he talked about the holds that get put on people until uh, ICE can come and get them. And he doesn't like that the sheriff's office has to hold them if there's no arrest warrant. There are orders for deportation, but those aren't technically arrest warrants. And so they're trying to take them into custody. And by the way, the politicians and law enforcement, they know they all know what the game here is. They do. They know what the game here is all about. It's about not putting people into the system for deportation. So you cut them loose before ICE can show up, and uh, and then that wins you support in the activist base in the Democrat primary. Um, and all right, so next question. When do we get access to view your personnel files? <laughs> because I, I don't know this. I, have, I was not aware of this issue, but it kind of sort of sounds like Sheriff Gary McFadden has got some problems either in his personnel file or in the personnel file of Gina Hicks, whom he fired before he was even sworn in. Here's how he answered that. I will provide that access when someone looks at my personal life when it became with the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department. What? We simply want to take a file and dance it into the media. So I'll take that in consideration. When someone completely gives my career the due that is done, everything I have done, what? the wives that I have talked to, the accolades that I've given, instead of taking one or two incidents and marching in front of the media, I'll be glad to do it. Because we are not, I'm not going to sit back and watch somebody take advantage of my 40 years in law enforcement were one or two things. So if you want it, you can get it. But I will wait and take in consideration that show me before I give you this, all of my accolades, all of my accolades as a sworn law enforcement officer in this county. Okay. The word is accolades. Just for the record, accolades, not accolades, accolades. Um, so what, we don't get your personnel file, which you, on the one hand said, you'll consider releasing it, but only if we can make part of the story, every good thing you have ever done in your life. So people get the full picture, uh, full picture, 
rather than just the one or two incidents over your 40-year career. That's what, did I get that right? Am I receiving this information correctly? We don't get to find out what your personnel record has in it, which you say you are okay to give us, but you won't give us unless we also know every single good thing that you've ever done, ever. Well, that's the case, actually. Then shouldn't we know every bad thing, too? Not just the one or two incidents. Shouldn't we know every single bad thing ever? So maybe we should open up every personnel file for everybody you uh, fired. All of your performance reviews that you gave to other people. Maybe start interviewing friends, family. Oh, you know what? We could get Taylor Lorenz from, uh, where's she at? The Washington Post now? Yeah, maybe she should go out and dox you. Go find out all of the bad stuff. Go interview your family members at their houses and stuff. Next up is Marquise Robinson. The voters are required to see it. I can I can still testify in court. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know what that means, right? That I don't I do not know what they're talking about. I have no idea what these rumors are or what might or might not be in Sheriff McFadden's um, personnel file. But I do know something about what Marquise Robinson just mentioned, which is that if you are law enforcement and you do something at some point that undermines your credibility permanently, you don't get to testify any longer in court. And what he just said indicates he's aware of something that has heretofore prevented Sheriff McFadden from testifying. Maybe when he was on CMPD, did something happen when he was on CMPD that then prohibited him from ever testifying in court again? Because he's he's not a credible witness any longer. The, the prosecution can't use him. The state can't use him because he is so easily impeached because of something he did that all the defense attorney has to do is trot out whatever that infraction was, something for which he was reprimanded. They, they trotted out and now he's impeached. So the DA is not going to put him on the stand. That's a pretty big deal. That doesn't happen to most law enforcement officers. So now I'm kind of intrigued. All right, here's a tweet. It's a Pete tweet from App Patriot Girl says, Sheriff Gary McFadden's arrogance is unbelievable. Honestly, I think either candidate would be better than him. ABM, anyone but McFadden. I'm only uh, only sorry that I cannot vote in the primary. Um, the question that we left off on was, when do we get access to view your personnel files? And McFadden said, uh, when someone gives my career the do it's done, I don't, that's a direct quote. I don't, I didn't misspeak it. In, instead of taking one or two incidences and marching it in front of the media, uh, you got to show all of my accolades, is what he said. Then Marquise Robinson said the voters are required to see it, which technically they're not required to see it, but uh, I think he said that they they should be allowed to see it. And he said, hey, look, I can still testify in court. And that's a pretty big deal because you've done something as a law enforcement officer that now prohibits you from testifying in court for some reason. 
That's usually something bad. You've done something bad. That means you can't testify anymore. Do you think that that might be material in this election? Maybe, but I don't know because he won't tell us what it is, right? Robinson continues. Your personnel file is your personnel file. True. That is. I made mistakes. True. I've been written up. I grew from it. Nobody served in law enforcement for 25, 30 years and not have been written up. The voters need to see, should see the files. And I strongly believe it in so much that I would say that every file should be released before election day. And I strongly believe that our current sheriff should lead us and provide his first and let the people look at it and choose. Ms. Hicks. I'm an open book. I'm transparent. You can have every personnel file from every employer that I've ever worked with. I have nothing to hide at all. I've actually brought some of them with me if you'd like to see them. <laughs> she brought them to the debate. Because Hicks got fired by McFadden. Gina Hicks was fired by McFadden before he even took office. He was the sheriff-elect. He was not sworn in and sent her packing. Why? She, does, she says she doesn't know. And he won't say. And he's, you know, said, well, if I say, then that would be a violation of law because you were an employee. You're not allowed to say that sort of stuff about why you fired people. But she said at the debate, hey, you know, would you? Uh, well, she, well, here, I actually have the quote. Why were you fired by the incoming sheriff? And would you release him of any liability if he tells us why? Right. So so he cannot hide behind that excuse. That's a question for Mr. McFadden. I was not given a reason. I was called in and told uh, pursuant to general statute and him being a new sheriff, my services were not needed. However, for 18 years, I served in the most exemplary way. So it was a shock to me, first and foremost. And I did wonder why I didn't get an answer. That's a question for Mr. McFadden. And um, I do release all liability to him asking for it. All right. So what that tells me, just reading between the lines here, not knowing anything other than what I've just heard in the debate, I'm going to say politics. She was probably a supporter of the previous sheriff. And so he fired her. And that happens all the time. And listen to what McFadden says. He kind of confirms that suspicion that I am. There's a North Carolina general statute that gives the sheriff power. I simply activated that power. Oh, like the Wonder Twins. Wonder Twin powers activate, right? Form of an eagle. Form of a mudslide. Okay, so that's his excuse here. That's his explanation is that I had the power to do it. I activated that power. Okay. And if you read that statute, that statute says I don't even have to give a reason. And here's why. Because the last sheriff released some people because they did not pay for his campaign and they got sued if you want to look it up that's a law and they got sued because the sheriff demanded them to pay money if you don't have my vision then i am worried about you carrying out my mission so if you don't have my vision you can't carry out my mission we'll leave it at that if you don't have my vision you can't carry out my mission so she was too close, I guess, to the previous sheriff. 
the previous sheriff, wanted everybody to donate to his campaign for re-election. And by the way, this is part of the system that like this is not unheard of um, because it's a it's an elected office. And so, yeah. Do you like the boss? Boss needs re-election money. It's one of the vestiges of the Democrat machine, you know. So um, the last sheriff got in trouble, apparently. And so she supported the last sheriff. And so he just so McFadden comes in and says, well, if you supported him and what he was doing, then you don't share my vision. Ms. Hicks. Yes, sir. I'd like to challenge and question some things. On our last debate, um, Sheriff McFadden, you you, uh, cited that general statute, so I can see that general statute um, means something to you and you hold steadfast to it. So while that general statute said you had the power um, to let me go, and the authority to do so, North Carolina General Statute 128.5 under the same sheriff's office and duties says that you're not supposed to execute those duties until after you're sworn in. I was relieved December 3rd, 2018, even before you were sworn in. So apparently general statute is not that serious to you. I was elected as sheriff-elect at that particular time. And this is something that you commonly know because it's happened to everybody prior to me. So it simply was my duty and I activated that duty. But was it illegal before you were sworn in? That is for a court to decide. Well, we might be going there. Okay, so, uh, wow, that took a turn, huh? (laughs) So he fired her before he was sworn in, but he was sheriff-elect. By the way, there's a T at the end of that word, Sheriff, Sheriff-elect. Um, does that make it legal? See, Gina Hicks is, she's laboring under a false impression, which is that the sheriff wants to follow all of the statutes, and that's why he cites them, is because he has great fidelity to following the law and statutes, right? That's, that's the message he's trying to convey, that the statute says this, me being a law and order guy, I'm the sheriff, I'm a longtime cop, therefore I follow these statutes. Well, she cites for him part of that same statute that seems to prohibit him from doing the thing he did. And her false assumption is that what he's trying to convey, this fidelity to statute, that that is uh, an honest position that he's taking. That's a consistent standard. That's the problem. It's not. This is just simply what he needs to say to disarm your argument that's all he's just saying he cites the statute as a defense for why he acted in what is obviously a political way he had the right to fire you for politics and that's what he did him citing the statute it's just cover it's just smoke (laughs) 